you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, church. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Make that Luke chapter 18. We're in a series entitled, I Wish Jesus Didn't Say That. Have you ever had one of those situations that you wish Jesus didn't say that? My wife and I were in Saipan on a trip. By the way, how many of you are from Saipan? Raise your hand. Look at all these people from Saipan. Yeah, some of them from our Life in the Sun Church, Saipan. We're trusting God one day there's going to be a Life in the Sun Palau. Amen. A Life in the Sun Ponape. Terry and I were in Saipan. And we were visiting an old friend of ours. Her name was Jeanette. And uh, she was teaching nursing at the college there. And she was an undercover missionary. And we went to go and just be an encouragement to her. And we were hanging out one evening at her place. And uh, if you've ever been to Saipan and driven up to Capitol Hill, as you get to the top, you'll notice that the administrative buildings are on the left. And up on the right, there's a hill up there. And there's some old government housing. And she was staying up there. And so Terry and Jeanette were talking late into the evening, and I decided that I was just going to go outside and kind of spend my own time alone with God. And so I sat on the back of Jeanette's car. I was sitting on the trunk, and I'm looking down over the hill, looking at Capitol Hill, the administrative buildings down there. And if you've ever been up there, just to the left, there's a basketball court. And it was about 10 o'clock at night, and I don't know why, somebody left the lights on for the basketball court. And so I'm just sitting there kind of surveying the area, looking up at the stars and just enjoying kind of being alone with God. And I'm just kind of scanning the landscape. And every once in a while, my attention keeps coming back to the basketball court because it's all lit up. It's the only place lit up in, in all the darkness up there. And all of a sudden, I just felt prompted in my heart, like the Lord was saying, I want you to go down there to the basketball court. And I was like, hmm, what's... What's up with the basketball court? And I started looking at how I would go down there, and there was, a lo- there was a large field between myself and getting there, and the grass was about this high. It hadn't been mowed for a long time. And my thought was, you know, if I walk down to the basketball court, I'm going to get sticker burrs all in my shoes and in my pants. And so I was kind of arguing with the Lord. I said, um, why do I have to go down there? I said, I can see it. I mean, just tell me about the basketball court. And he said, no, I I want you to go down there. And so kind of reluctantly, I heed and I hawed and I got up off the car and I started trudging through the grass. (laughs) And I got across the road and onto the compound where they have the administrative buildings. And as I'm walking through the parking lot, I can hear this sound off to the right going, ding, ding. I'm like, what is that? And I look up, ding, and there's a flagpole there. And it's got these guidelines, and it's got a metal buckle on it that's blowing in the wind, and every once in a while, the, the buckle would hit the pole and make that ding. And it's an interesting flagpole. Uh, it's only a single pole, but they found a way to hoist three flags. And what they did is they put a cross piece near the top, and then they ran two guidelines from the end of the cross piece down to the base, forming a triangle. And so you could run three flags up to each end of the cross and then one up the middle. And so I'm standing there looking at this flagpole in the night, and I can't see the guidelines because it's dark, but in the black backdrop of the sky, the flagpole is painted white, and with the cross piece, it looks exactly like a cross. And I'm standing there looking at that against the black night sky, and the Lord said, that's why I wanted you to come down here. You needed to see that. Keep that in mind. 
So I walk over to the basketball court, and I go around the fence and through the gate, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm here. What? I'm waiting for a sign. No sign. Hmm. Okay. So I start, maybe there's a sign on the ground. Maybe I'll walk around and find a note. Maybe there's a piece of paper with a message on it or something. And so I get around, and I'm looking, and there's a Coke can. No. I get over here, and there's one jewelry. And I walk around, and you know, I'm noticing this is a very nice basketball court. It's freshly painted. It had been recently renovated, and the lights are all on, and the, oh, and the nets were brand new. That's a big thing for a basketball player. It has to have a nice net, you know, for that. <laughs> a rim with no net is no fun. It's got to have that sound. And so I'm looking around, and this is a really nice basketball court, and I'm like, okay, why am I here? And I actually started to get upset inside. I have to confess. I, I'm like, you brought me all the way down here. I trudged through that grass, and like, I don't, why? And all of a sudden, I, I realized I, I need to stop looking around, and I just need to go back to the Lord and just talk to him. And I just got quiet in my spirit, and I just stood there. And all of a sudden, the spirit began to speak to me. And he said, um, this basketball court was created for a purpose. There is evidence that there were people here from time to time, maybe playing a pickup game here or there, and you see some remnants of their presence But this basketball court was created to have a league and teams who came here to compete and to play together in the game of basketball. And the Lord began to speak to me about the church. And he said the church is a place where there needs to be a league and there are teams of people that come together to play the game of life. And the basketball represents the gospel. And you dribble it down court into the enemy's territory and you shoot a basket. And when you share the gospel with somebody and they receive Christ, it's like a three-point shot. And I realized that we need to remember why we're here. You know, it's nice to have this beautiful place and the lights are on, but there's a purpose that we're here. We're here to gather together and organize ourselves into teams where we play the game of life, where we're engaging people who are seeking and we're making disciples in Guam and Micronesia and beyond. Amen? That's why we're here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you love us. Lord, I thank you that you've given us great purpose. Father, I thank you that you are crystallizing that and that you are working in our hearts as you invite us to join you and be a part of what it is that you're doing in our community. And God, we ask that you would use your word today and your spirit and the encouragement of brothers and sisters around us to help us experience all that you have for us God, I ask that you would unpackage, that you would unwrap, that you would unfold that salvation package that we all have and allow us to experience the fullness of our salvation. Lord, would you make that happen? Would you bring it to pass in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen? Okay, we're in Luke chapter 18. We're in a series entitled, I Wish Jesus Didn't Say That. Today's message is entitled, Jesus is Lord over Earthly Riches. Jesus is Lord over Earthly Riches, beginning in verse 18 of chapter 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? 
No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. There is an important lesson for us in this story of the rich ruler. There are two ways that we can learn. Uh, We can learn from our own mistakes, or we can learn from the mistakes of others. Events recorded in the Bible were written so that we could be warned and that we could learn from them. In 1 Corinthians 10.11, it's not up on the screen, I'll just read it to you. The Apostle Paul said these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. So, what do we know about the rich ruler, and what can we learn from him? This story is also told in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew's account, we learn that he was a young man. And by that description, we could safely say that he was probably, probably less than 40 years old. We know from Luke's account that he was affluent, he was rich, and he was a ruler. We also know he was spiritually inclined. He was spiritually hungry. In the Gospel of Mark, we learn a little more about this meeting between the rich young ruler and Jesus. Mark's account says that Jesus was about to leave whatever place he was at, and the rich young ruler came running up to Jesus and knelt down and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And his question shows that he knew a lot about the religion, but that he also wanted to experience more. He obviously perceived Jesus as someone who had the answer to his question. And the fact that he ran to Jesus indicates that he was eager to know. The fact that he even asked the question was an admission to the lack of his own spirituality. In verse 18, the rich young ruler refers to Jesus as good teacher. In Jewish history, there is no mention of any rabbi being called good because Jews insisted in calling only God good. In Anglo-Saxon, which is where the English language came from, God is the same word for good. When Jesus asked, why do you call me good?, It was a challenge for the young man to reflect on what he just said. It's as if Jesus was saying, Do you really understand what you said when you called me good teacher? No one is good but God alone. So the implication was this. If no one is good except God alone and you're calling me good, do you really believe that I am your Lord? In the context of Jewish culture, the term good teacher was a recognition of Jesus' deity. The rich young ruler seemed to have several things going for him. Number one, he knew who he should be talking to. Not only did he know who to ask, he knew what to ask. The rich young ruler asked the right question. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, wouldn't it be cool 
if somebody just walked up to you and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, that'd like be setting the baseball right up there on the tee so you could hit it. (laughs) Just setting it up. Unfortunately, you know, most people are thinking about how can I be successful? You know, what career should I take? Who's going to be my spouse? How can I get rich? Quick. How often does someone ask you a question about their eternal destiny? Many people are so busy building their lives and building their future that they miss the important question. It's as if we've got our head down and we're working hard and we're digging a ditch, but we need to stop every once in a while. We need to get up out of the ditch. We need to get up on higher ground where we can survey the land and ask myself, where am I going? This rich young man, perhaps out of curiosity, came to the right question. But notice how he worded his question. He said, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Like most people, he thought life, he thought eternal life was something that he needed to work for. He assumed that he could do something to attain it. On a positive note, at least he was asking the important question. We can ask ourselves a similar question. How can I know if I'm going to heaven? That's the right question. And Jesus gives the right answer. Jesus said to him, You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Jesus gave a very challenging answer. He recited the second part of the Ten Commandments. And the young man made a quick and very confident reply. He said, well, I have kept all of these since my youth. He basically said, I've been there, I've done that. And it's amazing sometimes when you hear people say, yeah, you know, I, I think I've lived a pretty good life. I mean, it's not like I go around harming people, right? This young ruler thought he was a very good person. There are many people around us who trust in their goodness to be assured of their eternal destiny in heaven. Perhaps they volunteer for things, maybe charity work, maybe help people who are less fortunate, maybe they provide a public service, maybe they help victims, maybe they donate, like to the Red Cross. But in Romans 3.20, Paul tells us, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight. God gave the Ten Commandments not to make us better, He gave us the Ten Commandments to help us see our sin so that we could come to our senses and so that we could see our need for a Savior. The rich young ruler didn't see his need for a Savior. Not yet. He said to Jesus, I have kept all the commandments. Verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven And come follow me. Jesus basically said this. Make sure that there's nothing else that's more important than me. And come follow me. Jesus made a tough requirement of the the rich young ruler. To make him realize that no matter how much he complied with the commandments. He actually missed the greatest commandment. Which is to love God. The young ruler didn't expect Jesus to ask him to sell everything. Jesus knew the problem really wasn't his riches. The problem is that he valued wealth more than Jesus. 
His wealth was his priority. Knowing this, Jesus offered real treasure that only he could give. Jesus said, if you want eternal life, follow me and make sure nothing else is more important. That's the invitation for all of us. What can we learn from the rich young ruler? Let me read it for you again in verse 23. But when he heard these things, he became very sad. He was extremely rich. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And here's the lesson that we can learn from the story. Giving will test my heart. Giving will test my heart. I say it in the first person so that when you say it, you're saying it to yourself. When I say it, I'm saying it to myself. Because to be honest, I still struggle with this. We all do, to one degree or another. Turn to your neighbor and say, giving is a test. Giving will reveal one of two things. Giving will either reveal a selfish heart or giving will reveal a generous heart. And here's a way to remember. Generous starts with G. Selfish starts with S. God is generous. Satan is selfish. Just to help you remember. (laughs) The rich young ruler was very sad. Because giving up his wealth was extremely difficult for him. He valued the temporal more than the eternal. To him, money was his everything. And this influenced the final outcome of his decision. Jesus wasn't really against wealth. He was against the love of wealth more than God. People who love money more than God, they put their hope in money. And they draw their significance and even their identity and their status from their wealth. You ever feel different when you drive in a really nice car? You know, that's evidence that it's doing something. We get something out of that. You know, the real test of having an identity is finding the secret of being content, whether with plenty or with little. That it doesn't change you. Your circumstances do not define you. Paul reminds us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'll just read it for you. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. By the way, as we read this, how many of us would think we're rich? A few hands. Most people think rich is those who have more money than we do. (laughs) You know, but 90% of the world, Terry and I have had the privilege of being able to visit some places in the world. Uh, We are actually very blessed to live in a U.S. territory. Uh, 90% of the world is not experiencing what you're experiencing. I mean, sometimes I drive around on the roads here on Guam, and I'm like, wow, it's nice to drive on nice roads. (laughs) I've been to some places where you need a four-wheel drive. (laughs) And so as I read this, I I don't want us to, to listen to it as if this applies to somebody else. Compared to the rest of the world, we are rich. So Paul says to Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, 
nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. You know, this life is not all there is. You're setting up a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of that life that is truly life. Jesus wasn't really against wealth, but the love of wealth more than God. The rich young ruler, because he had wealth as his priority, that he held it close to his heart, he made the wrong decision. By the rich young ruler, he made the wrong decision. His priority with money was what was driving his was driving his decision. It revealed what was truly important to him. And that's why Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And we know from elsewhere in Scripture, Mark chapter 10, that everybody was astonished that he said that. You ever wonder why people would be shocked that Jesus said that? Back in his day, there was a common belief. And the belief was that wealth was a sign of God's favor. That if you were rich, it was a sign that you were in good with God. And that if you didn't have wealth, that you weren't. And so having this belief that was very common among them, they said, well, if the rich can't go to heaven, who can Everyone was astonished at what Jesus said. They were exceedingly astonished. astonished. Uh, it's not only difficult for people to enter the kingdom of heaven. I would say this, it's impossible to enter the kingdom of God by trusting in our own good works or in our wealth. No one can claim self-righteousness. Nevertheless, nothing's impossible with God, Amen. He made the impossible possible through Christ. Jesus' death and resurrection made the way. It's not what we do, but what Jesus did to gain us eternal life. The Apostle John said this in John chapter 2. He said, Dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we can all raise our hand. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. The rich young ruler made a wrong decision. He was trusting in himself, and he allowed money to be more important than God. How about us? You know, the rich young ruler, we can learn some lessons from him. There's really only two things that matter when it comes to your eternal destiny. Number one is the identity of Jesus. That's been a controversial topic for centuries. Who is Jesus? The second is, what is the method of salvation? And the reason his identity is so important is because in John 17, 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You know, a lot of people think of eternal life as living forever. But Jesus defined it in terms of a relationship. He said it's knowing God. 
and knowing Jesus and who he really is. You know, the rich young ruler had it right on that point. He knew who Jesus was. The part where he didn't get it right was in the method of salvation. You know, he was trusting in his self and his own resources. He said, what must I do to gain eternal life? It's not about what we can do. The method of salvation is what Jesus did for us and receiving that as a free gift from him. It's free for us, but it cost him everything. It cost him his life. So we can learn something from the rich young ruler. The events recorded in the Bible were written so that we could be warned and that we could learn from them. We can learn from our own mistakes or we can learn from the mistakes of others. And I think what's important for us as we consider the story of the rich young ruler is just to kind of go to God in our hearts and say, God, what are you saying to me? How are you speaking to me today? And I want to invite us just to take some time to spend some time alone with God and to ponder that question and just process that in the privacy of your heart with the Lord. And so I want to invite us to pray. If you would close your eyes and just turn your hearts to God. God. And just in the privacy of your space, I want to take some time to do business with God and say, Lord, how are you speaking to me? Father, thank you for today. And thank you for your word. And Lord, the many lessons that we can learn from it. Father, I was just thinking the title of this series is I Wish Jesus Didn't Say That. But Lord, as we have come to this point in our time together, I'm so glad you did. Lord, because there are so many traps that can distract us from what's really important. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us alone to try and figure out life on our own. But you've given us your presence, you've given us your spirit and your word to guide us and to show us the way. Father, we just come before you today, Lord, and want to respond to how it is that you're speaking to us. Lord, what are you saying to my heart? And I want to give you some time just in the privacy of your heart just to respond to God however he's speaking to you. To be able to just talk to him in your heart and process what it is that's going on between you and him. Father, thank you for the lessons that you're teaching us. Thank you for the ways that you're at work. God, I ask that you would complete the process that you've begun. Lord, I thank you that you are leading us on in this journey of experiencing you and experiencing your kingdom. I thank you, God, that you're removing the things, the hindrances that would prevent us from experiencing all of life as you intended. And Lord, whatever those hindrances are, We thank you that Jesus died for them. And we just consider them crucified with Christ on the cross, no longer having power and influence over our lives, 
we just consider and reckon them as dead to us and that we are alive to you. And Father, thank you that by the work of the cross, you are freeing us to be able to live and to, to live as you intended and to be like Jesus. Father, we just receive your spirit and the work that you're doing in our heart and ask that you would make your word alive and that you would make it real. Lord, that we would not only have a message, that we we would be the message as you transform us from the inside out. If you would just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there may be some here today, as you hear me talking about a relationship with Jesus, that you realize that that's an area that you really need to develop in your life. And if you're here today and you've never made a formal decision to invite God to come into your life and to be a part of your life and to reveal himself to you, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And it's actually very easy. It's just a matter of telling God your decision, telling him how you feel. And that's called prayer. And in a moment, I'm going to pray out loud and I want to invite you to pray with me just to invite God into your life. And if that's something that sounds like you, if that sounds like something that you would like to do, then I invite you to pray with me. You can just hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with, and I have a little signal for that. And that is, if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that's something that you want to do, then go ahead and look up at this time, and then we're going to pray in a moment. Yes, I see you. Okay, anybody else? Yes, okay. All right, anybody else? Okay. Yes, anybody else? Okay, I see you in the back. Okay, yes. Okay, let's pray. God, I've come before you today. I'm here because I'm sensing that you are trying to get my attention. You've been doing some things in my life. And I'm here because I'm responding to you, Lord. And today I'm making a decision to open myself up to you. And I'm inviting you to come into my life and to be a part of it. I ask your Holy Spirit to come in and be one with me, that I could have a relationship with you. And I ask that you would reveal yourself to me. I ask that you would give me a new start. Lord, you know the things that I've been doing, the way life has been going, that hasn't worked out so well. And I'm realizing that maybe it's you that's missing. And so God, would you give me a new start? And forgive me for the things I've done that put you off. Forgive me for the things I've done or said that maybe hurt others or even hurt myself. Most of all, hindered my relationship with you. God, I'm asking you to forgive me for all of that. And I thank you for Jesus' death on the cross. And I receive him into my life as my Savior and Lord. I thank you for forgiving me of everything I've done and everything I will ever do. And I thank you for giving me a new start and giving me a new life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.